Hello and welcome to episode 122 of our SAP on Azure video podcast. Today is December 7th, and together with Robert and Goran, we are here to talk about anything related to SAP and Microsoft. Hello, everyone. Have you already had a ransomware attack? I hope not, but in several of my recent discussions, customers um, that I was talking to mentioned that this is the, the, the first topic um, that they talk about. This is this is basically on their um, daily agenda. More and more of that, um, the, the, the situation that customers are actually impacted by ransomware attacks. So it's basically not a matter of when or, or if you will be attacked, but when you will be attacked. So with this in mind, the question is, how can you best prepare for such an event? And um, what does it take to get back to business? So today I am very happy to have Sebastian Ulrich and Martin Steiner with us today, who will give us some insights on how customers can use Azure to help protect them and reduce the time to get back to business. But as always, before we hand over to them, um, let's quickly take a look at some of the news from this week. And I actually want to start with um, two blog posts from, from our colleague Martin, Martin Pankratz um, is busy like always, and he created some really um, nice um, blog posts. One is a continuation of um, the whole SAP private link integration. Um, and in this case now, he's focusing on the web application firewall, the, the, the WAF on, on Azure. And that's actually a really cool thing because WAF, um, similar like some other scenarios that he talked about, enable us to use private link to connect to the web application firewall. And then from there, connect to um, a lot of other resources. And the beautiful thing of the web application firewall is that, um, first of all, we can now also inspect traffic. So we have a firewall in there, obviously, as, as the name is um, saying. Then it simplifies the whole um, um, uh, security, the, the TLS configuration, um, and uh, yeah, come, comes with a, with a few other um, beautiful scenarios. So. As always, Martin has spent a lot of time, um, a lot of details to, to outline what is required to, to set up um, SAP private link with the web application firewall. And then um, as always, he also has um, everything in, in GitHub repos, um, so you can easily um, give it a try um, for yourself. Now, in this specific scenario, he already talks about um, certificates and um, how you um, yeah, create a self-signed certificate, how you use it. But then obviously there's always the question, how do you renew these certificates? How do you make sure that they don't expire? And that's where he created another really cool um, blog post where he talks about um, how to auto-renew um, these certificates. And that's actually really, really cool because on the Azure side, we have um, the possibility to listen to an expiry event. Now, uh, let's, let, me, let me see if I quickly find this. There's a... Uh, there's a near expiry event or something like that. Now, of course, now I don't find it as quickly, but what, what you can do is you can um, listen to this event. You can then um, create an, a logic app and this logic app then can allow you to um, do this um, renewal of the certificates in, 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 your, um, um, in your BTP environment. So, so that's a really, really cool end-to-end -end scenario, which allows you to simplify the way how you um, yeah, can can ensure that you don't forget to renew um, your certificates. So whether you liked private link or not, I, I think this is definitely something um, that you should check out. It's a really cool flow 
um, that helps you to yeah, ensure that your, your certificates are always up to date. <clears throat> One last um, blog post that I quickly want to highlight um, is um, something that I've also been using when, when working with um, SAP architectures. So there have been, um, I think, uh, quite a few years ago, um, um, Bertram Ganz had created a really nice um, PowerPoint presentation with lots of um, SAP icons or SAP diagrams for the business technology platform. Um, there, there weren't a lot of updates there, but um, here in this um, blog post, Reat Jan Klaps talks about how to generate um, uh, BTP um, diagrams, basically. So um, there's there's also a project on, on GitHub, which basically connects to um, the Discovery Center retrieves um, um, relevant icons there and then um, creates a nice um, icon map for you that you can use then to create um, or use in your PowerPoint presentations and stuff like that. So I thought um, this um, icon generator um, was also a really, really cool project. Good. So so that's actually all um, from me for, for, for this week. But uh, as mentioned before, um, security is something that is that is super, super important. And um, honestly, uh, this is in a lot of customer discussions, the thing that I can immediately um, find a, a common discussion point um, with customers. And, and luckily, on the Azure side, we have a really fantastic, um, or we have some really fantastic tools to help you protect um, your workload on Azure. And um, for that, I'm, I'm super happy to have Sebastian and Martin here. Maybe um, before we go into the topic, maybe you can quickly introduce yourself. What what are you doing at Microsoft? And then I'm really interested in um, what you have prepared um, to show us today. Uh, thank you, Holger. I will start. Um, Sebastian Ulrich, my name, uh, Cloud Solution Architect for SAP workloads here in Microsoft. And I'm helping customers to transition the SAP system landscapes to Azure. And I'm happy to have Martin with me today. Yeah, and my name is Martin Steiner. I'm a cloud solution architect for security, compliance, and identity within Microsoft. So my daily job is uh, helping customers um, yeah, implementing our solutions to get more secure and yeah, hopefully protecting them from a, from a ransomware attack. And thank you, Holger, for, for having us here to really talk about that topic. I know it normally yeah, the topic is more like SAP related and really SAP uh, in, intense, but as you mentioned, uh, ransomware and security is just so an important point that uh, I'm really happy that we're here to highlight that in your uh, yeah in your talk. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward and I think we have the experts here so that this is really good. And um, yeah, so, so this is top of mind for a lot of customers. So um, yeah, what can you what can you show us? Yeah, yeah first, first uh, um, make a short intro why we are talking about ransomware uh, today as a topic. Uh, and you already said it, um, we have more and more hackers try to infiltrate our systems, SAP systems, as well as other systems, and ransomware attacks are rising. So um, I think this topic is, is getting more and more important for everyone. Yeah. And on, on the other hand, um, when we look at our SAP landscapes, yeah, um, some years ago with with the older SAP releases like NetWeaver and ECC 6.0, um, there were more more isolated, more more um, um, not that open as we we see the the newer landscapes and, and newer SAP releases uh, today. 
So looking at S4HANA, for example, with the Fiori applications um, that are sometimes internet facing or other um, software as a service products like success factors that are connected as a cloud service um, to this SAP backend system, um, there was really a lot of change in the architecture and how this 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 uh, important SAP system is connected to other systems. So th there was really a lot of change and, and, and some some customers are not that far on, on the journey to S4HANA, but they also have, for example, success factors yeah. uh, already integrated um, with the ECC system. And um, I, I had one key um, moment um, at a key at a conference I've attended, and Holger, you were all also there. Um, so I, I met a lot of, of great people there. And uh, in the keynote at this conference, um, the the speaker of the keynote uh, mentioned the ransomware and security as top of mind at the C level of mm -hmm. of nearly every customer, or let's say every customer. Um, and, and not only customer, also we as Microsoft um, take this very seriously um, because we are SAP customers as well. Um, and to um, share a little story, so so I met a lot of a lot of people. I already said it, and we we talked about the new cool stuff that was announced, and uh, also about the security part in the keynote. And and so I asked I asked them. Um, regarding security, what do you think when you moved SAP to Azure? And uh, it was really surprising the answer because they said, hey, why should I copy my SAP data into the internet? Or when I do so, I get even I get hacked even faster. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, really eye opening for me because um, I, we know our products very well, but um, I think there is a lot of fear in the market and at our customers and partners and what cloud brings to the table or if it's really secure as, as we say. Uh, but first, let's take a short look how important this topic is for all of us and how often attackers get access to, to the data today. I think Martin, you have prepared a slide for us. Uh, I have, but yeah, but before we go into the slide mode, like uh, um, the the quote you just mentioned, like, okay, when I use cloud, then I'm more vulnerable and, and there is more risk. This was like a, a common discussion we had with a lot of customers when cloud came into the picture and where it was so uncommon to move data out of your own environment and put it somewhere else. So I'm, I'm I'm well aware of those those discussions, but I would like to challenge that uh, indeed. Um, when you use uh, on your, you move your systems to the cloud, one it's not in the internet. It's protected by a lot of mechanisms. Yeah. It's still mm -hmm. private. So if you don't want to expose it, it's not exposed. On the other hand, you get a lot of techniques, technologies, solutions that helps you protect your system even better. And this is what really brings the value here. It's uh, it's it's more secure, I would say, than having that on-premises. And uh, you mentioned, I think Holger mentioned in the beginning, if you search the internet for, for SAP and ransomware, um, you get a lot of results. And if you have like a double click on those results, like that Canadian supermarket or Asia or SpiceJet. None of those systems were in the cloud. All of those SAP systems were still on premises, but still vulnerable, and still the attacker was able to get into uh, those systems. So I would say 
it's really not uh, not yeah it's, it doesn't depend on where your system is running if your system is not configured in the right way if it's exposed to to an attacker uh, it will be attacked so okay. um yeah it's more like how can you yeah protect your systems than where you put them i i fully agree and um i mean for me what what is interesting so i i'm living here in germany in in rheinland pfalz and um literally just um the, the the local government i guess it's called and they were hit by a ransomware attack right now and i mean they're not yet in the cloud they are still on premise and this can really happen to everyone i mean we are living in a time now that very seldomly you really have completely isolated systems that that only are in the intranet and that don't have any connectivity to the outside world so even if your system is running on premise in a lot of cases, in the meantime, you have this internet connectivity. I mean, right. in most of the case, it is something that you want, but but sometimes it's a misconfiguration. Sometimes it's um, it's yeah, not intentionally open up, even though it is running on premise. And that is for me something. Um, I mean, again, looking here at the local government, but probably looking at a lot of other customers out there. Um, they the the security is not part of their core business. I mean, the local government here around the corner, they I wouldn't say they don't care about security, but they they don't. This is this is not what they are they here for. Yeah, there are Their other things that help. are more important. Yeah, like exactly. running the business, right? Exactly, exactly. And I think right. that is something that for a lot of customers is also the case. Um, they, 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 they have, they are hidden champions in, in their area. They are really doing well. They are producing some amazing goods, but securing an IT landscape, it not is not necessarily, or at least wasn't until recently, top of mind for them. Yeah, and I think and, that's, and one that's... thing you mentioned is um, putting, uh, yeah, even your SAP system is no longer isolated. And it's, yeah, it's not necessarily that the SAP system has a direct internet connection. If you look into Good. how an attacker typically uh, gets into your, into your environment, uh, there are so many ways how they could could could, could yeah, get into your environment. So um, because it's easier to show it on a slide than just talking about it, I prepared obviously a slide. To, to. So um, a typical attack uh, is still something to get you to, to click you in a URL, and they get so sophisticated doing that. So it's no longer that 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 phishing email that is the same for one million. They craft that phishing email specifically for your company or even for specific functions in your company, so that you are like working in um, in a corporate in a corporate environment. You get an email that looks like coming from something you collaborate someone you collaborate with. So mm -hmm. it it looks like it's a a real email. And then it's so easy to click on the link because yeah, they try to have like like an urgent issue in that email. Like you have yeah, five five hours to respond before we do this and that. And then it yeah, there is always someone that clicks on the URL in the, at the end of the day. Yeah, and and sometimes the real name is on the header, and just, it, exactly. you're not able yeah to to see that's a that's a phishing email. Yeah. yeah. So this is really that, that that has become a real business to get insights of your company and then craft that that email that phishing email specifically for you, and this is then the first step to for an attacker. And what what, what they really like to to do they they like to get to a, a chance to ex 
um, ex, um, install something on your system, obviously. Yeah. This is then what we call the exploitation installation. Uh, at the end, to have something like a command and control system to, to move laterally in, in the environment. And this happens really fast. So um, we, we have a lot of insight and we published that in, into our, in our digital defense report. And one of the interesting numbers there is it takes about one hour and 50 minutes and uh, 40 minutes in average before the attacker is going to move into laterally in your, in your environment. So after the first infection, less than two hours. Wow. And then, yeah, what they really try to do is they try to have a, a high-privileged user account being compromised mm -hmm. to get more footage into the environment. And at the end, um, like attacking your SAP system. So that's one of the, yeah, the important systems, obviously, in your company. The, the, the bad thing is that's not the only way attackers are able to get into your environment. So another thing that, that happens very often is um, directly compromising an account, either by brute force, so just trying to guess your password, or it, it's still the case that that um, users use the same password uh, for their mm -hmm. enterprise systems and for the, the private mailer or their, their shopping site. And uh, uh, those attackers are able to get that co that connection that it's the same user. So then the, the password is leaked and uh, they can can log on to the system. And um, our, our chief information security officer, Brad Arsenal, uh, has a quote that really hits the nail there. It says, hackers don't break in, they log in. So they, all they want to do in the first place is getting an account they can use for, yeah. Yeah, for moving in your, in your environment. And one thing worth mentioning is um, there is also an attack that is probably not the first thing you would think of uh, is um, getting into your environment by by, um, by an uh, IoT device or an OT device that is in your production environment, in your production line. And those systems um, most likely are older systems. They uh, the firmware is not patched because mm -hmm. it's it's part of the production lines, or you're not able to just patch the system. So this is more often a really easy way of attackers to get into the environment. And those um, formerly disconnected uh, OT in, uh, environments now also get connection to the enterprise IT because. For example, if you're a manufacturer and you, you have an automotive customers, they want to have insight in your production line because they need to have that in their systems like 10 years to, uh, if there is a case, if there's a problem, they need to go into the details to, to tell the, um, when have that been produced? And if there are other goods in the same line, if they're affected as well. So that, all those, those systems are no longer disconnected. So it's it's kind of the same as we see, or or I've tr I tried to explain with the SAP systems. It's not the, that isolated environment where where just some of those um, machines can connect to each other. It's getting more and more um, uh, connected through everywhere in in the plants, in the factories, and and uh, and even at the laptops of of persons or or the mobile devices um, that are attacked and. And then um, hackers get access to uh, at least SAP data, for example. Yeah, so hackers are always trying to get the, the weakest point in your environment. And there is a, a 
probably funny but not so funny um, thing that happened in Vegas like four years ago where an attacker used a temperature sensor in a fish tank which was what? which was connected to the to the back end to get into the environment and, and at the end they with that they got uh, I think they, they 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 downloaded the 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 accounts that are used in the in the um, in, in the, the casino so it sounds <laughs> funny but that's really how how attackers work trying to mm -hmm. weak to find the weakest link to get into the environment interesting yeah yeah so it sounds funny first but it it isn't funny if you really think through that yeah and then uh at, at the end the, the goal most likely of a attacker is um, exfiltration of data uh we see other patterns like um uh, destroying your data which is mm -hmm. something this yeah commonly used when we talk about nation state attacks to just cause damage also another um uh, way they want to do is uh, monetization by encrypting data so there are different results when the attacker gets um through and uh, gets um, access to your backend systems uh so but exfiltration of data is is yeah probably if you have intellectual property there and, and or data which is um that you want to want to um, protect. So this is someone something um, they can get money off. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, another thing you should think of is something that is called insider attacks. So data leakage is also sometimes caused by someone who leaves the company and wants to get some data with him to to use in the next job he gets, or an ad administrator that somehow somehow got frustrated and. Uh, Downloads yeah. data and try to sell it. So, di different ways really how how damage could be caused. But at the end, if you follow that, that zero trust approach, you need to make sure that you have a, um, a protection for each and and every every uh, threat here on 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 the slide. Mm. Yeah. The good thing is. Um, there are solutions. So, um, if we want to have a look into what 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 we as Microsoft provide, and I don't want to do marketing here, so I wanted to go through that real quick. Um, we do have a solution to um, protect against phishing attacks. So, um, as I said, phishing email is still a a, um, a way that is frequently used. Uh, we do block over 700 million phishing emails per week with that solution. So we reduce the number of phishing emails that really get into your mailbox, but still there are a few that get through. As I said, there are specifically crafted for, for the environments they want to attack. So um, there is a chance that, that there, there is something undetected. If that happens, um, obviously we need to, to protect the, uh, the endpoints. Um, so endpoints are those IoT and OT environments, and uh, your your laptops, your workstations. So those endpoints that uh, are used by um, by users to make sure if something is installed on the system that you detect that as soon as possible, and uh, hopefully are able to uh, do something against it. For the other attacks, when we're talking about like that brute force attack, um, we also 
have solution. One of them is built into Azure Active Directory. So we detect like leak potentials and, and uh, make sure you, you know about it. But also um, if you have something, someone in the environment that tries to, to move to other system, uh, we provide a solution to get insights and to alarm you. For example, if there's an, an administrator that has never logged onto that system or never have lo has logged on at that time of the day mm -hmm. or never has logged on from that location, this is a sign that there is something happening there. And um, yeah, attackers are most of the times for a long time undetected in an environment. So as sooner as you get information there, the higher is your chance to protect your systems. And also that, that insider risk management I talked about, there is a, a solution we provide there to get get insights in, in that environment. But the end of, at the cool. end of the day, and, and Holger, you mentioned at the beginning, um, the question is if, if all of those um, measures we have fail and you, you get to the system uh, you want to protect, like your SAP system in the cloud. Uh, we then talk about what can we do with, with Azure and what we can can we do it in the cloud. And uh, I will take some time to get give you some insights there. Um, so if we look into uh, what we call the Defender for Cloud, which is a solution to protect um, your resources in the cloud. Um, first, we provide you insights and uh, insight means like a high level view how well is your environment um, configured? And this uh, is then reflected in a secure score. And that secure score now tells you um, from like thousand recommendations, how many of them are implemented. And uh, the more you implement, obviously the, the more secure is your environment because these um, recommendations are based on, um, yeah, our own experience, um, um, like um, controls out of uh, regulatory compliance. So this really gives you a, a good way of um, uh, yeah, having a, a good feeling and a, and a good um, implementation of security in the cloud. Yeah, really and great, Martin, that, that you're showing us that. that. Um, I know um, from my customers that they are really looking at the security score and having goals to, for example, reach at least 80% of the secure score. Um, otherwise, they cannot go productive with the solution. So it's, it's really used in uh, at the companies. And um, yeah, let, let's let's dig e deeper into that. Yeah, so the, the good thing about that secure score, it's not just a number. As I said, it's based on recommendations. And uh, obviously, we give you that insight um, for example, if we have here a, a subscription, an Azure subscription, or also we do the same thing for AWS and GCP. So it's not just a solution for Azure, but yeah, the, the scope of our talk today is Azure. So if we have a subscription and if we click on that few recommendations, uh, we like double click in, into that environment. And then the recommendations are uh, broken down into several segments. So for example, um, if you have a system that has management ports, yeah, it's, it's good practice to, to close those management ports and not let, 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 have them accessible uh, in the internet from the public. 
So um, if we detect systems that are not following that recommendation, they're pointed out here. If you click on the recommendation, you will see which resources in that case, which of the virtual machines is uh, not configured in the right way. But but what does that mean, um, close the management ports? When I, as a, an, an administrator, want to access this VM, um, uh, I need that access because I have something to do at my SCP system. I want to patch my OS, for for example. Um, so we have a just-in-time access then, or? Yeah, that's, that's part of the solution. So first of all, we encourage you to, to close those management ports so they're not publicly available, but then um, yeah, there there should there need be need to be ways to access the system. Obviously, one of them is what you just mentioned. Uh, we call just in time access. So um, if you're uh, eligible for accessing the system, and this is something that needs to be configured upfront, then you have a way to um, to um, request just in time access. And you could also have like an approval there, but if not by accessing and then requesting that just-in-time access, we open a uh, the, the the network security group, which is part of, of the configuration for your specific system. So the port is no, not available for everyone in the internet, but just for your specific IP address. And this is also something which is um, time-bound. So uh, after max, uh, the maximum eight hours, that is closed again. Um, it, it's 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 locked, so you, you can audit it. So really, a, a secure solution for providing remote management there. Yeah, that's, that's really why cool. And, and what, what I, what I really like there is actually um, if I'm um, if if someone comes to me and says, "Look, let's make your your system more secure," I, I probably wouldn't even know where to start. Um, right. And here with Defender, I, I have a nice checklist. And I I like what you said, um, Sebastian, in the beginning that. Um, Customers are trying. Some of your customers are trying to at least have a score of eighty percent of whatever. So, so there's really some so some guidelines um, that we are providing customers to to make this system more secure. So, even if you don't know where to start, here here's a good starting point. Go yeah, down exactly. This, this I mean, checklist. the the main thing here is you get insight. So you you can't change what you don't know what's wrong. So exactly. just by yep. getting that information, getting that insights that you have systems that might be vulnerable because of that different configuration gives you a lot of actionable um, items there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then of course, um, we do have um, solutions for protecting the systems. And this is also something which, yeah, which is different when we uh, look at an on-premises environment. So, for example, if you have a, a database on-premises and you want to have like threat protection, you obviously would go then and, and install a kind of a threat protection solution. If you have like storage, you need to have a specific solution for storage, which you probably need to to deploy and, and configure. And in the cloud, those functionalities is built in, and you. You need, just need to enable it, and uh, yeah, there's mo more often none or just a few configuration items there, and you have a, a specific um, threat protection for a SQL server that knows how a SQL-specific attack looks like, or for a storage account that knows that 
if someone is, is trying to pull data from a storage account and a, a big amount of data, that that's this is something that is suspicious. Or um, if if some if someone puts a file on a storage, uh, we look into the file and make sure that there is no malicious code into that. So this is all built into the platform, and all just yeah just to be con enabled in order to protect that uh, yeah that systems. And defend the services to get hacked. Yeah, the last exactly. point here was, for example, the uh, Microsoft Defender for the Resource Manager. So a hacker can maybe build a new VM, and uh, the service can protect uh, our environment to to give the hacker the possibility to do so. And I think there are some some other points here in the list that are also worth looking at. For example, the DDoS attack um, that uh, we are protecting against. Um, Martin, what, what is your opinion on this DDoS yeah, so that's mechanism? Another of those platform services. Um, so you're probably aware that um, we do have DDoS protection for each and every system in, in, in Azure. So there is a, a basic DDoS protection. But um, if you have a system and, and have a production system in the cloud that pro provides services to your customers, um, you probably want to have a more specific um, configuration of that uh, DDoS protection. And this is exactly what that uh, DDoS standard, uh, how it's called, gives you. So on top of that basic protection, um, we fine tune uh, the, uh, the rules there and make them specific for your workloads. We give you insights into the logs so you can do analysis. So it's just an, another, the higher level of protection. And if you would have something like that in, in on-premises, this is again something you would need to implement or your network guys would need to implement. And in the cloud, it's, it's just something you, you enable and have that protection from that point on. Great. And the last point I want to mention or want to ask is, is the MFA, because I think um, when it comes to SAP and we, we heard from you that um, uh, users are are stolen to get access to the SAP um, MFA. I think can can really help in combination with single sign-on um, to prevent uh, a hacker get to 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 get access to the SAP system. Yeah, definitely. So that, that's not something that is so so specific for Azure. That's more like a general item and something we we like call out for years now. Um, and it's it's so obvious. So like. Um, if you have multi-factor authentication, something like 99.9% of all account compromise attacks are prevented. So you're able to really um, reduce the number of, of successful attacks by nearly 100% by using um, multi-factor authentication. Um, in that uh, digital defense report I mentioned is also are some insights like um, 90 plus percent of all compromised uh, accounts were not protected with something like strong authentication, so like multi-factor authentication. Um, if you look into how attackers work when they get into your environment, 75% um, of, of yeah. all um, uh, acquired elevated com uh, um, credentials are then used to um, get malicious mail payload into your environment using the SMB protocol. So it's so clear that protecting your credentials and use, using MFA to do so 
is a is 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 a, is a number of the top priority should be the top priority for everyone uh, to really have a higher level of security. And actually, it's it's super easy to install, right? I mean, on Azure Active Directory, it's a check mark that you that you want to enable NF MFA, and then um, to to get this on your mobile, I mean, that's another app or or that you, that you install, and then it's done. So it's a um, it is really a huge benefit, a huge security is, benefit yeah. if you have it. Yeah. So I wouldn't call it that easy. You just mentioned you, you need a phone typically to have an authenticator uh, installed. There are companies where, yeah, most yeah. of the companies where not every not every um, employee has a company phone. So you need to have some preparation, obviously. Also, we don't recommend to just um, enable NMFA for each and everyone because then your user get used to that MFA prompt and this then opens a, a way for oh, attackers to, to force you to MFA. So something we provide is uh, we call conditional access where you have rules. And for example, that rule would say, okay, if you're logging on from a corporate device, if mm -hmm. you have something like Hello for Business that provides you strong authentication, then you, we don't want to MF, put your uh, MFA prompt there. But if you have a new device, like in an internet cafe, um, from a location you never logged on, we probably want to make sure you're really yeah. where you say you are. And then it makes sense to have that MFA prompt. So doing that point, uh, in yeah. a way that you just force that when it's needed is really something we, we recommend. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. But 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 now we are looking at this whole end-to-end -end story. So starting from the device, um, uh, 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 the customers are using or the user is using till the SAP system and the whole infrastructure in between. And so so the whole story um, from the user until the the user can reach SAP data, for example, um, can be protected. Um, not only with the with the tools and 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 stuff we we have seen here, but also with MFA, which is also outside of Azure, um, because it's also on the device of of the user um, on the mobile or or when he logs on with with Windows Hello to to have another example with face recognition. This this is also something where we can get rid of those username password and the and the user only look, logs in with, with the face recognition. And on top with the MFA, um, we can have even more, uh, sec uh, a higher security level uh, because when it really comes to, to uh, high protected data that gets accessed, then we, we activate the MFA process for, for this one. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, it's really end-to-end. -end, uh, um, yeah, and it needs to be end-to-end. -end. So if we have, again, a, a look into that, that slide, um, if if yeah, if you have blind spots like not protecting uh, one of these areas, you make it easier for uh, an attacker to stay in your environment, to get undetected for a longer time, to get insights. This typically means there are the, the result will be a more sophisticated attack, more damage, more data loss. So the longer the the, the attacker is in your environment, the more you will lose at the end. And another thing I want to point out before we really go into those SAP specific um, topics, uh, the integration between those components is really crucial. So as I said, um, less than two hours before the attacker starts yeah. to move. Yeah. 
So if you don't have that insights, like the detection in the first line of defense that really pops out somewhere, and you have the correlation, okay, that the same user that has uh, was a victim of that phishing email is now the one that installs the the software, the malicious software. Then you will give the the the, the attacker so much of of a chance to to get undetected. So integration is really key here, and that's something that we do uh, with a platform approach. We have like all of the defender uh, products are getting into the same security portal, but also with the with the Sentinel solution with the SIEM tool that now also gets like data from the network and uh, also have now a connector into the SAP system. So, for example, if you have like a, a, a user logging onto your SAP system that was a victim of a phishing attack, mm -hmm. there's high probability that that is the same attacker. So getting that level of insight and integration gives you so much of information if you hunt for threats and if you want to uh, hunt the attacker down. So integration is really key here. But yeah, we, we're now we're in an SAP podcast. So Sebastian, <laughs> I think it makes sense to get into more details about how we are uh, yeah, protecting SAP systems and what is what is our, our take there. Yeah, do you want to click um, then for me? Um, but first, uh, stay on the slide, please. Yeah, sure. Um, so what what needs to be considered to to uh, secure the SAP environment? I think we heard a lot of of them um, with the end to end story. So because the user is in in ninety five percent of all cases, the user is 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 the the root cause mm -hmm. of of the hack. Um, but uh, securing the SAP system is also sometimes a challenge. Um, and Sentinel, because we have it on the slide here and this new SAP connector of Sentinel really um, is helpful to, to get more insights in the SAP system itself. So it really connects into your SAP client and really can connect and show you what happens in your SAP system. So it can read um, system logs, for example, um, or or transactions that are that are um, running um, sensitive ABBA programs that that are um, that are used with the stolen user, for example, um, or uh, privileged users that access um, your system that are normally not not using this account. Um, so there are a lot of insights you will gain when you use this um, Sentinel for SAP connector. Um, out of your system. So it's really a scanner of your SAP system. Um, what happens with connections in and out? Um, is the gateway secured? Um, so all the things um, that needs to be considered when it comes to SAP security. Um, and, and this is really, really, really helpful. Mm. So, st but, but but that's still the outside view. I, I, I remember there was also something like a, a blog post from SAP that talks about ransomware and how, how important it is to, to also securely configure SAP itself. So that's something also that, that needs to be configured when we talk of an end-to-end -end zero trust model, right? Yeah, uh, you, you said it's an outside view. From my point of view, it's more a view into into the inside of SAP. But nevertheless, you, you need to secure your SAP system as well. Yeah, uh, you need to to have a 
a blacklist and whitelist on your gateway, for example, that not every um, uh, not every program can connect to your SAP system via the gateway. Um, you need to have, and, and this is a very important point because we have seen it on our first slide, um, sub uh, pa uh, security patches need to be installed yeah. on, in your SAP systems because um, they are used to, to uh, really actively um, attack your SAP system. And, and this is re really a, a critical thing to have those newest patches, security patches of into the SAP system. And yeah, in fact, I, I came across, across a, a report a few days ago and they, they called out that like 72 hours after a, a vulnerability for SAP has been released or is known, this is weaponized the first time to, to attack a SAP system. So patching is obviously a, a, a top priority here to, to protect yourself. I mean, always. Yeah, not not yeah. only for SAP, but but for everything, I would say. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, definitely. But SAP data is sometimes more um, important for hackers than than maybe other data. Yeah, I mean the the reason why we're in that talk today is that we and also SAP sees that there are sophisticated and and targeted attack. Uh, against SAP systems now. So we're no longer in, in a world where it's just by accident that a SAP system is, is part of an attack. This is intentionally built for SAP systems to really get that data and, and use the data for whatever reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the hackers have SAP know-how. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do, they do. Yeah, and, and securing SAP systems is not just uh, security patches or, or gateway and, and RFC connections, uh, but also the SAP kernel. So more looking looking on the infrastructure level, the, the kernel of the SAP system should be um, uh, on, a, on a good new release. The OS patches um, for sure uh, are also important um, because all of those puzzle, puzzles um, fit together and, and if there is a, a hole in, in, in this uh, puzzle, the attacker will, will use it uh, to attack your systems. Definitely. Yeah, and that's exactly what we like to talk in the, the last minutes. What can you do to prepare yourself if, if an attacker is successful? So if all those things we saw show on the slide um, are not enough to stop the attacker. And uh, so let's let's take a look into what what we can do here. Yeah, and this is something every everyone, every SAP customer or SAP admin can start now right away. Um, I, I would um, really recommend this document we have mentioned here and uh, we will link it under the YouTube video um, because it really describe how um, what is an attack and what can happen if you get attacked. So it's not, not just encrypt your data, um, it's exfiltrate the data and corrupt your, corrupt your backups. So um, it's, it's not just one thing you need to uh, have in mind. Um, and and there are other aspects as well. So, for for example, what is the financial loss if a hacker get access to your data? Yeah. What 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 happens then with with your factory, for example? Are employees able to work um, uh, even if if you have an attack? Yeah. Maybe maybe not. Yeah. 
And um, the second point here is, is the DMZ. So most of, of you already have a DMZ network design where your sub-router, for example, is, is placed. Um, but maybe those um, special hardened devices can bring more security. Um, so the secure access workstations, so-called, um, that are for, for your admins, for your SAP basis admins or, uh, or, or other guys that really have access to critical uh, infrastructure and data um, can be uh, can be secured here. Yeah, yeah. So well. if we think about that phishing attack, for example, such a uh, device wouldn't have an, an, an email client. It, it probably wouldn't mm -hmm. even have a, a internet connection if that's feasible uh, to really make sure that that no one is able to compromise that device and to have at least that, that the access to your SAP system for, from an administrative perspective as, as secure as possible. Yes, and um, the immutable storage is the, is the third point here, and I think this is really, really um, worth to looking at. Um, from my point of view, I really would recommend to use this technology to, pr to protect your backups, um, even on-premise or in the cloud. Um, so you can use um, Azure Blob immutable storage, for example, to to have a, a warm functionality on the storage. So write once, read many. Um, so once this backup is stored in this immutable storage, um, no nobody is able to encrypt the, the backups that are stored there. So um, I really encourage you to to look at this technology and and use it for your backups. Yeah, makes make totally totally sense. Yeah, and then from a security perspective, um, obviously it makes sure to have a uh, an understanding what's your current uh, environment and how it's uh, configured and what might be topics that you need to, to change. So uh, we do have partners that are specialized in that security area and it, that could help, for example, with a, a, a assessment to get that, uh, that insights. Also, yeah, it's a good idea if you have that plan, um, yeah. try, it, try it out, make that fire drill and, um, yeah, we do have technologies in the cloud, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, that makes that so easy to to have that that test of your recovery plan and make sure it really yeah, yeah meets your um, your objectives. And in general, have something like a ransomware playbook. So make sure everyone in your IT on your your company is aware of what needs to be done if really something happens. So whom to call, what to do. Um, write that down and yeah, try to make also a fire drill for what is in that ransomware playbook helps helps so much and i think that that's actually something really really important i mean it has nothing to do with it or the tools that we're providing but um when you are impacted then i think everyone is so much under stress that it's really important to have a clear guideline and says look um we'll just follow this list and and go through this and obviously if you practice this up front then that's that, that's actually something what I um when, when we were talking to Microsoft IT about um, backup and restore disaster recovery and what always impresses me there is that they do these backup restore tests on a very regular basis like I think two times a year they do a full backup restore test for their SAP environment obviously now and because of this repetition it's so normal for them so that ideally hopefully when it really happens they know exactly what to do. 
And I think that's also really important now for, for the whole ransom, ransomware story that you yeah. that, that everyone Very knows true. what to do, or at least the, the key persons know what to do so that when something happens, um, you, you yeah, the, the team basically knows what what are the steps that needed to be executed. Yeah, and it's more like an education and planning topic than really an yeah. IT topic. But if you have, if, as you said, if ransomware is in your environment, that shouldn't be the point when you start thinking about what to do. It should be something like written down, exercised, and yeah, you're still getting stressed for sure. But uh, at least in that stress situation, you should have a clear guidance what to do. Yeah, and if bad things happen, we talked about it. Disaster recovery then would be probably the next thing that that makes sense. Um, yeah. So yeah, Sebastian, yeah, should, should I go first? For um, sure. What what's not shown in, on the slide, and this is what what I would do first is connect your on-premise network to the cloud because otherwise you it's it's hard to secure your data <laughs> to copy securely your data into the cloud. So this is. Uh, missing in in this slide. So even if you have a, a VPN connection, a secured uh, VPN connection, or an express route, which is an MPLS, um, should be the first thing you should consider. And then you can use Azure Site Recovery in a securely manner um, and and copy, for example, your SAP backups into this immutable storage. Um, in the cloud to to have it there in case there there is something going on in your on-premise environment. And um, another thing not mentioned on the cloud, if you have this connection, uh, in, not mentioned in the slide, is if you have the connection to the cloud, uh, you also can think about using database technology to to build asynchronous um, replication into the cloud, um, like HANA system replication, um, where you have the possibility to have a, another copy of data in a different location. Yeah. Um, and maybe you can use the same technology to migrate and trans transfer the data uh, when you when you are migrating your SAP system into, into the cloud. So um, you can use the same mechanisms to do so. Yeah, that, that's a very valid point. So it, it's not just like having Azure Site Recovery and, and all this done. Um, you need to have like really a, a recovery plan that, as you mentioned, that might have some other techniques for databases, <clears throat> not just like copying the, 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 the disks into the cloud and making sure they're running. And um, the, the, the nice thing about that Azure Site Recovery then is um, you have a recovery plan in the tool. So you might have like five automated tasks, um, starting your databases, starting the application server, but you also might have manual tasks you need to carry out. And that that is all part of the that, that recovery plan. And it's easy then to have that fire drill because we're able to then recover that in a specific network in Azure, which is not connected. And you're you're able to make sure that your plan really works. Yeah, and last but not least, I mean, um, we love to see you moving your your systems. Hardware from your software, and and this is a, a new level of reliability and security you can you can have. 
Um, and even if you get attacked um, or, or infiltrated uh, successfully by ransomware, you can build it from scratch in a new um, subscription um, that is completely decoupled from, from the things you, you had before. And you can use this um, automation to rebuild um, the whole infrastructure components. Um, so your your ramp up after your the, this successful attack is much much faster than uh, you will ever have the possibility to do that on prem. Um, so this is this is really um, something that um, brings value the, de the 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 deconnection of hardware and software um, and 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 this uh, automation and for sure look at the SAP secure security best practices um, to really harden your SAP system as much as you can. Um, and uh, I think there there is a lot of uh, content out there. Um, check it out. Um, also, partners are, are really good in, in securing landscapes and SAP systems. Um, so it's really worth to to have an eye on, on, on this important topic. Yeah, you mentioned partners. Um, I think we, security partners have been mentioned in the first slide to get an assessment, but also um, working with those partners to make sure your configuration is secure. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense because it, it's really hard to stay on top of the, all, all what that happens. So having a partner that that is really concentrating on that stuff and helping you to get the right get the right things implemented uh, make makes totally sense. Absolutely. I think that's that's some some fantastic closing words actually. And I I I like the the summary, um, Sebastian. What what you also said and here this um, the usage or the separation of infrastructure and and the software basically that can really help um, with this whole back to business notion um, that I can have a very quick clean start basically on Azure. So if I am attacked, if I am impacted, and as as, as we mentioned in the beginning, if it's it's most likely not an if, but when. So if I am attacked, then um, using infrastructure as code, I can quickly really wipe everything. I can start from scratch. I can use the immutable storage that you talked about um, to, to set up my infrastructure um, again, to have my critical systems up and running again in a, in a, in a fast time. So that that's hopefully something um, that can help customers get get back to business quickly. Yeah, again. definitely. And um, yeah, we mentioned it. It's it's not just us that we see that this is a, a yeah yeah really a threat. So also something SAP mentioned. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is really a good a good post in the news center that that discusses the the SAP specific um, actions that that are needed. And uh, at the end, if we, we follow all those best practice, we probably have a situation like Campari, they get compromised, but yeah, at the end they were really able to, to quickly get back to business, right? Yeah. Yeah, and worth worth to to add to that, uh, the systems that were in the cloud already um, were untouched because of the zero trust approach Campari Group uh, had implemented. So this is really a bold statement um, to. 
and back to my story I'm telling at the beginning, SAP systems are not in the internet and, and Azure is a secure place for your SAP systems um, and, and a private and, and cr encrypted at rest and, and, and a really uh, stable platform to, to have a secure environment on it. Yeah, perfect. I think this is the these are the perfect closing words no, like, uh, for that. You're right. It cannot get better than this. So <laughs> the, that's really great. Fantastic. So Sebastian Martin, thank you so much for for your insights um, on uh, the the security related topics. I think this is something that is top of mind for a lot of customers at the moment, and I I, I do think we do have some some great answers on on Azure. We have some good partners. Um, that help us or that help customers to secure their SAP systems on, on Azure. But as you said, Martin, also this is goes beyond SAP, obviously. There, there, there are a lot of components that, that play together. But I think, yeah, thank you so much for providing um, a really good overview, good insights in the topic. And I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll see each other again on, on the podcast. Thank you, Holger. Thank you. Great. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.